Welcome to Advantage Over, the podcast for the rugby referee community, or simply those in rugby who want to know more about refereeing. Are you ready? Time on. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Advantage Over podcast. I'm Keith Lewis, your host of the only podcast for the global refereeing community. You're very welcome to join us. Um, the podcast stats I've been looking at show that um, if you make it past episode 7, you do better than I think 85% of all podcasts that are ever started. So um, go us and thank you very much for um, all your support um, for the podcast. Um, I've seen the numbers and I check the stats after each podcast goes out and they're slowly starting to creep up. Um, so thank you very much for listening um, and if you are listening to this for the first time you're very welcome go back and see some of the other episodes that we've done um, and tell your mates your friends your fellow referees your societies your federations your unions your rugby clubs about us um, because we're here to, to help the refereeing community but also the, the rugby community and kind of understand what we are all about um, this episode we speak to um, Hendrik Gravenstein um, who's head of the South African Referees Academy in Stellenbosch it's a fantastic initiative program um, a very intensive program for referee development um, so stay tuned to find out what that is all about um, it really is a unique initiative in the rugby refereeing world as I said, thank you so much for your comments and feedback on the last few episodes. Uh, many of you uh, in the Northern Hemisphere are now starting to think about pre-season training, heaven forbid. Um, it's a bit warm up here at the moment. Um, so it might be worth just heading back to episode three, if you've not listened to that recently, um, where we caught up last year with Ross Hambury, um, who's um, a fitness advisor to a number of different societies here in the UK and a personal trainer. Um, so it's well worth checking that episode out. Um, back in episode six, we talked to... Um, World Rugby's Craig Joubert, most of you will know Craig, um, know of Craig at least, and um, we talked to him about the Sevens game in particular, um, and over the next couple of weeks the Rugby World Cup Sevens kicks off um, in San Francisco, so it might be worth going back to that episode to find out how Sevens um, is taking off in the refereeing world and the routes to um, the global game in there, so have a, li- have a listen to that one. Last time we did something a little bit different. Um, it was just a solo episode, so it was just me talking through the nine attributes that we think you need to have if you're considering taking up the whistle. Um, it was great to have a debate with a couple of you after that about something we'd missed or some things we'd missed and some suggestions that you had. Um, so thanks for that. It's always um, a good thought provoker um, for people, hopefully. Um, as we kind of get people to think about taking up the whistle because we're short of referees every every one I speak to every federation every union I speak to needs more referees so if you're thinking about it get back to episode 7 um, and, and suggest to anyone you know out there who is thinking of taking up the whistle that they have a listen to that and see how many boxes they tick um, and speaking of newbies um, we've had a really great podcast review and I'm going to read it um, it's from somebody by the name of Rose Wired left this um, left this podcast review on iTunes um, you can leave reviews wherever you're listening to this from um, but he calls it a great podcast for rugby referees old and new and goes on to say I'm just about to start my training as a, a rugby referee at the grand old age of 36 and while researching and studying up I found this podcast so far I'm really enjoying the content and finding it insightful and interesting especially the interviews with the other refs I'm looking forward to what this podcast is going to cover next but I'd love a feature on hints, tips for people just starting to train as a referee, perhaps common mistakes, pitfalls to avoid and the like, or just some general tips. Keep up the great work. Well, Rose White, thank you very much for that. We're glad that you found us, and we're glad that you found the content interesting, and we'll be sure to pick up on that feedback um, 
soon and keep your eyes and ears peeled for that and it's really touching um, that what you what Rose Wilder just said is exactly why I wanted to start this podcast um, there's so much we could talk about and help ourselves to develop ourselves but help you develop into better referees so thank you very much in that um, so any more feedback like that any more reviews you want to leave please do leave them in a place where you're listening to this podcast um, or just drop us a line ref at rugbyreferee.net is the place to send those emails or suggestions or anything else and you can find us across social media um, mainly at rugbyreferee.net the handles on most of them or via messages via the website rugbyreferee.net so on the news front um, main thing that's happened over the last week or so has been the, the announcement of um, the rugby championship 2018 appointments um, you remember the summer international window they uh, world rugby took the opportunity to blood some new referees um, into top tier games and give top, uh, tier two sides the opportunity to be refereed and officiated by um, the top level so a bit of a, um, a change changing of the guard in the last window this one uh, reverts very much to form um, and they've announced the 18 match officials and the six TMOs from across the seven unions who are going to take charge of the 12 games of the Rugby Championship and the added Bledisloe Cup later on. Um, and, and as you'd perhaps expect at this stage in the pre-World Cup window, um, the main top tier officials that we all know um, have got all those games. So Jaco Piper um, kicks off the opening game on the 18th September when Australia hosts the title holders New Zealand. So that'll be a, a good game for Jaco to get um, out of the way. And he's got two games in this window. Gus Gardner's got two. And then all the other the sort of top-tier referees are, are back in top-tier rugby. So Wayne Barnes, Ben O'Keefe, Pascal Gazer. Uh, Glenn Jackson, Nigel Owens, John Lacey, Jerome Garces, Mathieu Renal and uh, Roman Poit um, all pick up appointments in that window. Um, if you were counting there, those are 11 referees. Um, and, and of all those who stepped up over the summer um, referee-wise in the summer window, they'll actually be involved as well um, as AR. So it's good that they're being kept <coughs> within that circle. Um, I just had a look back at... Um, what happened in 2015 Rugby World Cup. Um, in that one, they took 12 referees, 7 ARs and 4 TMOs. Um, this year, they've got 11 referees so far. Um, obviously, I think would be their main um, group of referees, the ones we've just talked about. Those are the 11. Um, it's hard to see any of those falling out of favour at this stage. But, um, there's obviously an opportunity um, for one or two, perhaps just outside that group, to use the coming season to stake their claim to that extra seat if they're going to look to take 12 again for Japan next year. So, so it'll be really interesting to see um, how this window of rugby championship appointments um, affects the referees as they position themselves for selection for 2019. Um, the only names that appear to be missing from the appointments, missing in air quotes there, are perhaps some of the TMOs that we've seen um, in the past. Sean Veldsman and George Ayub don't feature in this particular list. Um, Glenn Newman is back um, in the frame after having the summer off. Graham Hughes is back in the TMOC after a, a spell away from there, but um, he was at the under-20s as well. So perhaps the TMOs are still vying for position um, there. If they Again, if World Rugby are going to take four, they might look to up there. There's, I think there are six TMOs involved this time, so perhaps they're widening the scope um, rather than just putting all those games onto four officials last time, which I know was pretty hard work for those guys um, doubling up over the space weekend and in a Rugby World Cup that's possibly not what World Rugby wants to do but who knows we shall find out um, clearly 
Um, these appointments are a clear signal towards Japan 2019, so it will be interesting to see what's happening there and what happens over the next six months or so. Um, and speaking of Rugby World Cups, um, the organising committee have stressed the importance to the rugby community, including I'm sure some of those, some of you listening to this podcast, um, who want to go to referee, uh, want to go to referee, no, who want to go to Japan next year to support your team or the or the match officials there are spectators, um, and they've really stressed the importance of only getting tickets from authorised outlets. So um, do go to rugbyworldcup.com to check who those are. The ballots just closed, um, I believe, and I, I think that the initial batch of tickets have been allocated to those who wanted them, um, and I think there are some disappointments. So people obviously start to look elsewhere for tickets, um, but Rugby World Cup have um, asked the community to, to be sensible as to where they're, uh, where they're finding those tickets um, and only to get them from authorised sources. So please be sensible uh, out there um, and where you get your tickets from, and we hope you enjoy your tournament when you get there. So that's the roundup of the latest refereeing news. Um, we're going to head over to speak to um, Hendrik Gravenstein from SA Referees Academy at Stellenbosch. Thank you very much to Hendrik Gravenstein. You're very welcome to the Advantage Over podcast. You run the South African Referees Academy um, down in Stellenbosch. So we're going to ask you a little bit about that, how it came about, um, and how you use that as part of your referee development process down in South Africa. So um, first of all, Hendrik, um, how did you get into refereeing? Uh, Do you have a refereeing background or a coaching background? What's your rugby story? Yes, good morning, Keith. Thanks for the for the invitation to speak to you. Um, I started refereeing in 1995. Uh, I was doing my articles as a, a law article clerk. Um, my dad used to ref, so I remember when I was quite little to go to the rugby field with him and with him in the in the referee's room afterwards, uh, and that stuck with me. And when I was still studying at uh, University of Port Elizabeth, um, I thought, okay, I might as well give it a go. Uh, so I started in '95. I refereed first league in the Eastern Province. I think it's the the Kings now. Uh, and then I re- relocated to um, uh, Western Cape, Cape Town, where I refereed uh, first league here in Western Province. Uh, then I took a bit of a tour. I went to Taiwan for two years, and I went there and there. And then when I came back, they asked me if I can start coaching um, young referees uh, here in Stellenbosch. Uh, and then I started uh, uh, with that in 2008 or 2009. Uh, but I always, refereeing and, and coaching young people was always a passion of mine. So I went to Mr. Yuri Ru. He was, he's a, um, a CEO of uh, ISA Rugby at this stage. He was the president of Marty's Rugby Club. So I said to him, I think there's a big market uh to start academy for referees only. There wasn't any academy for uh, a referee program in, anywhere in the world. Uh, and we've got enough games here in, in Stellenbosch to, to start something like that. So he said, let's, let's give, give it a go. And in 2011, we started with the Marty's uh, Referees Academy. So that was our first name. Correct. And, and, and people may have heard of Stellenbosch before in terms of from a refereeing perspective with the the sort of law academy, the, the law trial variations that Stellenbosch is quite famous for. Is that part of Marty's or is that a different thing altogether? No, that was part of Marty's. Um, I was part of that too. 
Um, so we've got a hostel league where all the hostels or uh, the residences, I don't know what you call it, uh, that, that side. Um, so there's about uh, 12 or 14 men's residences that play in a league during the week. So on a Tuesday night, the fourth league will play, Wednesday, third league, uh, Thursday, second league, and Friday is the first league. So say one residence will have four or five teams and they just enter a team in the, in the local hostel league. So the World Rugby used that hostel league uh, that for the ELV. So we started from scratch. It was a, quite an interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, uh, the, the opportunity is here to, to do some experiments like that. And the students, are they loved it anyway. So it went very, very well. Yeah, we were just talking before we started. So when I was in Stellenbosch, was the time where they were just—I think they just finished trialling the um, period of having two referees on the pitch at any time. So when, when I refereed there, it was just—it was just me. But I think they just finished that little uh, trial window back back then. No, it's not a trial window. We're still doing it since I think uh, Doc Raven started it. So we still use it. It's been using. Uh, we we use it 20, 30 years now, and we still use it. Uh, so the first league, um, if I have enough referees for that for that evening, I will use uh, two referees. So I developed the two referee uh, system, and I've, for me still it works like a dream. If you know what you're doing and if you stick to the system, uh, uh, then it, I think I'm still a very pro two referee <laughs> system. But uh, we'll have to convince the world rugby. I think I think that's a, that's an issue we might come back to in the future. But let, let's get let's go back to the, uh, the 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 referees academy. So so that started a couple of years ago now. And and what's the purpose of it? How what do you how, what's your sort of elevator pitch if you like for the academy? I think uh, uh, for, your general referee is an amateur, and we are supposed to referee a professional game. So the guys are amateurs. They've got works. So they work from eight till five. Come Saturday. Then they've got a referee, professional guys, and they're not allowed to make one mistake. If you make one mistake, then you are, you know what we are called <laughs> sometimes. Uh, where the players are, they practice twice a day, four times a week, uh, but they can make mistakes. So I said, let's uh, create a program uh, where we can give young rugby fanatics or wannabe referees the tools uh, and the basis to make it one day, then they can elevate, maybe become a, a professional referee. So we developed a program. So it's not basically, so it's for everybody. So I've got enough games in Stellenbosch to cater for all different levels of referees. Um, so from scratch, we can give them the right tools. If they're a bit more, I know USA Rugby sends uh, their um, referees to us on a scholarship for a two month period. So I'll. I work a bit different with them uh, regarding the um, what level they are. So there's a lot of opportunities here, and I'm a firm believer that you have to referee on the field. You have to. It's not like cricket, uh, practicing in the nets all day, but you can't get onto the pitch. You have to get onto the pitch to earn some stripes and get your skin nice and thick. And that's the only way how you learn is to make your mistakes now. So what we do is we will give him, especially in the hostel league, so they will ref during the week. They will ref Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday evening. They will referee. I give them feedback and my coaches give them feedback the next day. Tomorrow night you fix it. And I'm, I'm happy for you to make your mistakes, but don't make that mistake twice. Then I'm not going to be too happy with you. So 
so there's a constant learning experience for them as immediate feedback, immediate uh, rectification. So that I think that is why the the, the academy is so successful. And that's a that sounds like a really intensive window to do that. And that's how long how long does that program run for? Usually for the full time, they will start first of February, uh, and we we'll go all the way to end of September, first week of October. That's when the the rugby finishes here in. Uh, the, the the bulk of the rugby. Then they're going to a sevens window, but for me, from February till September, so it's a quite extensive uh, uh, program. And that's that's obviously a, a full time thing. They come to Selmash, they're there for seven months. Is that right? Yes, they're there for seven months. So usually the program, a usual week, will work in the morning. We'll do fitness. We'll all, either you guys will call it the Bergpad or the mountain roads. They don't really like that, but they have to do the mountain. <laughs> Uh, we'll do either the steps, the stairs here in the Johnny Craven Stadium. They're not very fond of that. But I've got so fitness in the morning. Uh, I've got uh, Grant van Felden, who's my uh, vision coach. So they will go three times a week, go into the vision lab. Um, so I think that's one part of refereeing that we are neglecting. Um, our vision is our tool. If you can't see, you can't referee. And most referees, they first want to go learn the laws and do the fitness. But... I send them for an eye test, um, and, and I had some instances where the guy said, "Shit, you must get some uh, contact lenses, or there's some pro- problem with the eyes." And we fix it. Uh, and so, in the vision lab, is where there's more peripheral vision, and it's uh, sports-specific uh, drills that we do with the guys. Uh, so we put them under pressure, make them tired, and then they must make a decision, uh, yeah. either by hitting a light, whatever. And that, that, that's a really interesting thing. I mean, I've I've often thought that. Um, in all my refereeing, no one's ever talked to me about that. Only just in the last couple of years, the the RFU here have just started to think about um, that sort of thing. I know there's some some testing going on with one of the universities in the RFU there about how that how that vision, that actually the eyesight works and peripheral vision and how to get the eyes trained to referee better. So that's really interesting. That's how it's, it's working out for you. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, we had good results when the guys starting in the vision lab. They will do we'll do some testing. And then in the middle of the year and the end again, and the results are, are crazy. And the referees are saying they are more confident on the field, identifying colors and numbers. Uh, so that it's definitely working. I've been doing it now for seven, eight years with Grant, which is a brilliant guy. Uh, but the other part, we also do uh, mental coaching. So I'll get a mental coach in, obviously, with the stresses of, of mm-hmm. modern high-performance refereeing. Uh, then I brought in a different thing, which also is a bit not controversial, but I think is also very relevant, is a body language. Right. Uh, uh, so I got a, it's a drama a teacher here at Paul Ruiz. He comes in once a week. It's a fun session where just to know their body a bit. So if you give a, how's your signals, um, you don't scratch your nose while you're on TV kind of thing, um, but you see a couple of interesting guys, especially when they going up to the TMR and now all the focus is on the referee and then some of these guys are scratching at places which is quite <laughs> interesting sometimes. So it's just to let him know your body language, what you portray, portray to the to the uh, spectators and the players has got, has got a huge influence. So it's just to, 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 to make them aware of that. So that's a, a different uh, part of it. And then I'm trying next year I'm going to introduce a, a, a speed coach because some of those guys just to get the technique while they're running on the field uh, uh, as smooth as possible so that you don't exert too much uh, energy um, because the game is so fast now, mm-hmm. as you know. Um, <coughs> so you've got to be in the right place at the right time, otherwise you're going to miss stuff. 
Yeah, one of the, one of the best sessions I ever did was um, with a, a session with a sprint coach. It was I kept people kept telling me I, I was always in the right place, but how I got there was wrong. Um, and that session, those sessions with sprint coaches, definitely stick in my mind as, as something I should have done much earlier. Yeah. In my career. so um, with the the type of referees that you're developing and the intensive period that you need them there there in Stellenbosch, that kind of suggests that you're taking youngsters. Um, what's the sort of age profile, demographic that you're, you're taking through the academy? Yeah, that's interesting. Usually, it's mostly guys after high school. They all come for a gap year. Right. So it's about 18, 19. But I had a guy from James Acker from Canada. He was like 34. He was here for, for four months last year. Um, I had Fernando from Mexico. He was like 23, 24. Um, that's also an interesting debate about how young we have to start refereeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know World Rugby and here in South Africa, I think we are creating young referees at 23, 24. Then they think they want to, they can refer World Cup final already, and which obviously they're not ready for. Uh, and unfortunately, it's to keep them in the game till they are. But I think by 28, 29, 30 uh, uh, is the ideal age to peak at uh, and get onto a, a panel. But to keep them into, you know, the millennials, to keep them interested for that four or five years, yeah. it's just difficult because they will just say, oh, I'll just move on to the next thing and, and try that. Um, so I'm all for it to start young, to get your base right. Uh, and then you have to earn your stripes on the field by getting game time and and, and, and get more mature on the field. And, and that's uh, something that there's, there's not always an ongoing battle, isn't it? You get... You need the youngsters for the fitness levels, but then how do you give those youngsters the, the game time and the empathy and how they develop the rugby mind? So is that very much part of what you're doing to understand the game as well? Yes, no, definitely. With, with the game time, they will get, um, I think one of my referees last year, he, he refereed 150 games in that period. Wow. And that is about two or three years for other guy to referee in his career. So he's already two or three years ahead of everybody else regarding game time. And that experience, uh, and and the and the level of, of, of games we can give him here. So they will referee um, the hostel games during the week um, till Friday, Saturday morning. They will do a high school game at Paul Ruiz. At one given day, there's about 20, 21 games in the morning at Paul Ruiz that mm-hmm. we service. Uh, and then in the afternoon, they part of Western Province uh, referee society as well. So then they will refer a senior club game. So the only time you can recover is on a Sunday. Uh, then Monday we back to the drawing board. Uh, what I'm trying to get now is to, we, I'd like to take the guys on a little tour, a little tour just to get them away from from everything. Um, so we do the Villa Clava tournament in Kimberley, uh, the under 13. So I just take a little bus and we go on a nice uh, a road trip. And I think it's very important for me there. I know that I get to know the guys in that environment and a, and a tournament and environment. So which is also very important. I should have asked this before, it just struck me. How many do you have on a program at any one time? Oh, it depends. This year, with the drought and stuff, it was a bit difficult, but usually about six, seven, plus the guys from the USA or Mexico. Um, Lloyd Linton was here from Scotland for mm-hmm. the Pro 14 ref. Um, yeah. Tapa Henning sent him from Scotland. So he's here for a couple of months. So it varies, but... It's about six, seven. I don't want to. I don't want to be that. That there mustn't be too many referees at one time. Then, I think it, it dilutes as as well the the program. So I want to keep it about not more than fifteen at one time. 
Um, and in our in the last episode of the Advantage of a Podcast, I talked about sort of nine thing, attributes that um, I think referees need to become referees. It's a really generic things, but one of the things I talked about was teamwork. Um, obviously, the the ethic that you must create as with that program and that amount of games must be an element of teamwork. There is that how does that work? That's a brilliant. You bring it up. Um, that's my number one. Is we are a big team. Uh, usually when I refereed and maybe you refereed, uh, we were you were on your own. Mm-hmm. Nobody looked after you. You you go to the game on your own. If you get feedback, you're lucky. You're going to train on your own. So I said to the guys, we're a big team. Three or four guys to the top. Obviously, not everybody's going to make it. That's yeah. unfortunate. And that is that's a reality. But as a group, we can take more people to the top working in a group as a team, supporting each other, um, especially on the runs, the guys will support each other. And if they don't work as a team, I've got some interesting drills. I, I force them to work as a team. Um, sometimes, which is not quite nice, I'll probably give them a, two tackle bags and then they have to drag it uh, in two teams around the mountain and and then they have to work out who's going to carry when and where and that's where all the, the teamwork comes out. So there's ways and means to enforce the team ethos i'm very strong on on the team definitely great um and talk, talked a little bit there about success um how, how successful has the academy been are there, are there referees that perhaps everyone listening to this will will have known and heard about that have been through the through the academy yeah this uh my my biggest my first uh referee intake in 2011 was uh Twingilia jadizweni he's currently on the pro yeah. 14 academy squad mm-hmm. Um, he was one of my first guys. So all the youngsters, uh, what they do, well, they will be here for the year and they will go back to their province. Um, so I've got a couple of guys on the South African Academy squad, the youngsters. They're still 24, 25, so they've still got to earn their stripes, but they're all already in the in the mix. Uh, then I've got Fernando Garcia. He's, uh, he's uh, Mexico's number one. Uh, and obviously USA, Derek Summers, he's their number one. So... Um, so no, and Lloyd Linton was yeah, he's pro fourteen. So the program definitely works. Uh, that's a that's a fact. Right. So, so if anyone out there's listening and thinking this sounds like something I might um, want to take advantage of, uh, how do they how do they get onto the the academy? What's the process for applying or or getting getting into Stellenbosch? They can just contact me. You can email me. I don't know if you can give my email. Maybe Hendrik at sarefsacademy.co.za. Uh, or they can go on our Facebook page. Um, I think it's SA, SA Refs Academy. Uh, and then they can get my contact details there. I will send them more info uh, and uh, application form. And uh, it all depends what time they want to come uh, and what, what time will suit them. So we will, we can, you don't have to come for the whole nine months. So some people it's a bit difficult, but um, sometimes they will come for one month or two months. I think one month is the, the, the least time to come here to to really have an effect um so longer the the better i think but um you can come for one month two months three three months great well it certainly sounds like a very interesting program we'll be keeping a close eye on you i think we're going to be speaking to one of your delegates who's coming over from the u.s um over the next couple of weeks so we'll be talking to her about her experiences she's she's coming through it so we're looking forward to catching up with her um over the next few weeks as she's preparing for that and then um, once she's been through the process so we'll we'll talk to one of the graduates later on in the year and we look forward to um following the progress of the academy over the future great thanks a lot i really appreciate it thanks very much for joining us Okay, Keith. 
Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, We'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, about this podcast This is the only Rugby Referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, You can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyrefereenet, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want, um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over. <laughs>